Town Hall Academy, episode 80. Everybody's getting bombarded with marketing every single day with special offers, cheaper and cheaper coupons. They're getting pulled away and without staying in front of them on a consistent basis, they're going to go somewhere else. They're going to get attracted to somebody else because they've simply forgotten about you. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, looking for your next great idea? Need insight on a hot industry trend or topic? Would you like to hear from an industry colleague on their best practices? You have all of this and more with the Remarkable Results Radio and Town Hall Academy podcasts. Hey, glad you're here absorbing these long-form interviews and discussion. The power of the spoken word, on demand and mobile. It's like Netflix for radio. Hey, welcome to episode 80 of the Remarkable Results Radio's Town Hall Academy. Our summit today is about bringing back lost customers. Carm Capriato here, thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for their support. You know your customer may get new car fever, a slick new look, and that new car smell. But they come with seemingly endless monthly payments, higher license fees, and even higher insurance premiums. Now here's a better solution. Remanufactured components from Jasper means a new lease on life for your customer's trusted old friend. Select Town Hall Academy episodes are available for AMI credit. Go to remarkableresults.biz slash AMI to find them and start to earn AMI elective credits. Hey, now listen to the Town Hall Academy. Bring them back. How to revitalize a lost customer. With me today is Shari Pheasant, owner with her husband of A Master Mechanic in Reno, Nevada, and is a business coach and president of Horsepower Strategies. Also, Ron Ipack, co-founder of Repair Shop Coach and known as Captain Car Count. And David Roman, owner of Done With Care Auto Repair in Merriam, Kansas. Our lively discussion starts with the customer retention myth and ends with taking extreme ownership of your customer and keeping them in the fold. We talk about steps to get lost customers back, the power of relationships, the power of culture in customer retention, and what type of marketing works for retention and revitalization up to and including a simple phone call. No need to take notes. The key talking points are already done for you. Go to remarkableresults.biz slash A080 and also find my guests' bios and links to their previous episodes there. Now enjoy Bring Them Back, How to Revitalize a Lost Customer with Shari Pheasant, Ron Ipeck, and David Roman. Hey team, welcome aboard. Excited that you're here. Ron, can I start with you? You may. What's the biggest customer retention myth? I run into this all the time. Everybody thinks that all they need to do is do a really good job. You know, they fix the car right, they treat the customer right, they give them a fair price, and automatically they're going to come back to you again and again and again. Look, all you have to do is look at your own customer database and kind of look at everybody that's been in your shop in the previous year and see how many times they actually come back. Uh, and I think most people will be really shocked because the reality is people come back very infrequently as compared to frequently, you know, a lot less than they really should. They do a, they do a really bad job uh, getting that retention rate to where it needs to be. 
I was talking with the, the folks at Bolt-On and, you know, because I have access to a lot of people's databases and overall of all their clients that they have, looking at the amount of uh, visits per car. And now everybody, let, let me back up. First and foremost, I'm sure everybody that's watching this does a really good job, you know, repairing the car. They, they treat the customer fairly. Let, let's just take, I mean, that's a given. I mean, that's just, that's the basics. You can't expect somebody to come back if you treat them like garbage or you do a bad job. Okay. So assuming you do a really good job, that's a number one, but that's not enough. Uh, the folks at Bolt-On pretty much told me that the average return rate on a car is 1.3 times per year. Now, when you figure the average car on the road is 11.6, now close to 11.7 months old, I'm sorry, 11 years and uh, uh, six months, they're old. I mean, the average car out there is pretty old. They need to be in a car, in, in a shop a lot more than just 1.3 times per year. So that pretty much tells you that it's not a matter of just doing a good job. You need to really focus on what you're doing with the customer. The people don't care what it is you do if they care what else you do for them. And that's the, that's the key. So get rid of the myth and just assume that you're doing a good job because everybody is doing a good job right now. So really, uh, Shari, it's, uh, you got to figure out why they left in the first place. Yeah, and that means that you have to have a difficult conversation. I call it a crucial conversation. You need to call them. I believe that you've lost them the minute they don't show up for their first pre-booked appointment um, because they're not following through with, like Ron said, 1.3. That went down. It used to be 1.8, so it's getting worse. Um, Yet their cars are getting older. So he's spot on on that. I think you need to be exceptional and unforgettable. It's not just about good service. Right? You need to be exceptional and unforgettable. So I just recently wrote a blog for Jasper. They they publish a blog for me in, in their newsletter every month. And the one that I just submitted to them was on concierge service. And we did a town hall academy on that. It was academy number eight. It's got a ton of listens and watches. And I really drove the point home that uh, you need to figure out how to do white glove service and have an experience for the customer that is uncopyable or different than anyone else in your marketplace. And it needs to be a consistent program that people come to you for auto repair, but they also come to you for the experience. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Now, David, how can we go about taking and reactivating a customer? I think it starts with properly defining it. Uh, you know, Ron touched on it and it was a game changer for me. I think most shop owners look at their customer list and they say, I haven't lost any of those customers. They're still my customer. But without seeing them two, three, four times a year, you've lost that customer. Uh, Ron says anything over eight months and you need to consider them a lost customer. I think that's a game changer. I don't think anybody looks at it that way. They say, oh, I didn't make them angry. I didn't upset that person. We had a great interaction. They dropped the car off. I fixed it wonderfully. They left happy. I've got that customer for life. That isn't the case. Everybody's getting bombarded with marketing every single day with special offers, cheaper and cheaper coupons. They're getting pulled away. And without staying in front of them on a consistent basis, they're going to go somewhere else. They're going to get attracted to somebody else because they've simply forgotten about you. I recently read 64% of customers leave due to either actual indifference or perceived indifference. 
you know, it's great that you had that great interaction when they were in your shop, but when they left and you don't stay in front of them, letting them know, hey, I remember you, you're going to lose them. David, I got to ask you a question. Uh, customers at the at the counter, you're closing the transaction, shaking hands. Where are the sensors inside of the service advisor, you know, understanding that the, is the customer leaving with a really good experience? Uh, do they feel they got value? Did they, you know, did, did we do all the right things? Did we, we de- even do some extra things for them? Is that a critical moment? I think it's a critical moment to make sure that you can then do the proper follow-up to make sure they come back in. So every single customer that comes in, you should have a procedure list and be hitting certain points. You've got to build rapport with every customer. But I think, as Ron stated, I think if you're watching this right now, you're probably doing everything properly or most things properly when the customer comes in the door. You're building rapport. You're going back over the work that you've done and showing them, hey, I did all this for you at this price here and I'm providing this great warranty. Anything comes up, come talk to me. And just just that rapport building process, talking about kids, family, dogs, sports, whatever, they're going to leave with a smile on their face and a handshake. I think that that's happening already. But then they leave and you're not in front of them. Their car is running great because you did a great job repairing the vehicle. That's where it becomes a critical moment. That's your, that's your pivot point there. Because at that point, two, three months down the road, it's oil change time and they're getting hit with coupon after coupon, mailers, advertising on television, Facebook, uh, you know, Google AdWords. They're typing in, you know, quick oil change on a Saturday. You're not open on a Saturday. We aren't. You know, it's very easy to then lose that person despite all that work that you put in at the counter. I interviewed Carrie Lynn Roddenberg a few weeks ago when we got into CRM and one of her great takeaways that I'll never forget from that episode was loving on your customer. Ron, how do you proactively reduce the number of lost customers if you could love on them a little? It's paying attention to them. See, a lot of people, you know, it's that indifference. I feel the reason why most people choose somebody else is because you're letting your competitors pay more attention to them than you are. I mean, think about that. As, as David pointed out, you're getting oil change coupons. You're getting hit boom, boom, boom all the time. And, and you need to stay in contact with them. I, you know, I go old school when we talk about staying in contact with them by using a monthly newsletter or a monthly written newsletter. Cause you, if you didn't listen to my rant, you know what I feel like, you know, about email that it just, while it's a, it's a viable media, it just doesn't touch everybody. Cause you know, most people don't look at all their emails, but a written newsletter shows up in their mailbox and it's personal and it's, it shows you care. Now, whether you have a service, you know, like us do it for you or do it yourself or have somebody else do it. it doesn't really matter. It's the effort that you put towards it. And I would rather spend 70 cents staying in front of my own customer month after month after month. So over a year, maybe you spent seven or eight dollars to stay in contact with them on a monthly basis in that written um, uh, media, then go spend 50, $60 trying to replace them because you've lost them. You want them to make them feel like they're, they're a family. So a lot of it is you have to have a system in place week after week. And it's not once a month. I feel it's several times per month using all different kind of multimedia, whether it's electronic, uh, electronic media, text messaging, email, uh, to direct mail, to 
you know, whatever. You just got to get in front of them because you never know the next time they're going to need service. And it's not just on that one car, by the way. We're not talking everybody has one car sitting in their driveway. No, they have two, three, four cars sitting in their driveways, and you don't know when they're going to need the service or when that light bulb is going to go on or they're going to have that time to be able to come into you to get it repaired. So it's just a constant multimedia, multi-step approach. I think it was 2.3 vehicles per household. Uh, the average household, 2.3 vehicles. And just to touch on what Ron said, it's not just coupons. It's not just offers. You're not just bombarding them. Jerry Frank, uh, Ron's partner, says to be an invited guest, not uh, an annoying pest, right? You're trying to provide value. That's the key. It's not just staying in front of them. It's staying in front of them and providing value. So you're a resource, an advocate for them. I'm your car guy. And that's what it needs to be. Hey, I'm with Brian Weeks from ATC Auto Center. Hey, are your customers investing in Jasper? Absolutely. Um, and I think that uh, the biggest thing is, is in the world of automotive nowadays, uh, let's don't talk about parts and labor so much. You know, when you, when you look at the mechanical side of it and look at the parts and labor side, you know, you're, you're selling cu- the customer a transmission, but what you're really doing is selling peace of mind. So it's not hard convincing customers to invest in their vehicle. Uh, we don't feel like it is. Uh, we, we haven't really had an issue with that. You know, it's, it's not for everybody. And, you know, in certain situations, you may have uh, somebody that doesn't necessarily see that value, but it's our responsibility to show the value that Jasper has. It's not about your transmission is going to shift through all five gears now. It's more about you can take the kids to soccer this evening without having a problem. You'll be able to make it to work tomorrow without a problem. You can go on that vacation and not have a worry. That's what it's more about. And Jasper provides that so that we can offer that to the customer. Hey, Brian, thanks for your time. Carm, thank you. Why'd they leave, Shari? Do we need to investigate and find out and reach out and be humble and fix it if there was a problem? We do. And I think vulnerability is one of the hardest things for leaders to do. Um, what I found in my experience is that leaders pressure themselves to know all the answers. So sometimes they make them up as they go. And sometimes they use the wrong answers that they've learned or the wrong methods. And so calling them and just saying, hey, I, I care about you and we haven't seen you. I noticed that we had a, an appointment that you missed. How did everything go with our last service? Is there anything we can do to get you back? So I call that a crucial conversation. There's a great book called Crucial Conversations that if those are difficult for you to have, this will help you have that conversation. And so you can't fix a problem until you admit you have one. And sometimes we don't know we have a problem until we listen to other people. And so leaders need to listen. And I I believe service advisors are leaders. They're leading customers into our shop to give them service. Um, They don't understand. So we need to educate them. Educational-based marketing is the strongest marketing that you have and word of mouth. But then I believe with what Ron said, you need to be in a bunch of different avenues. And I I don't think those are just mailers. I think you can do those. I think you can put banners up at kids' events that that's advertising. You don't mark that off as a donation when you give to a rodeo or a softball, right? Because they're advertising. They're putting your banner out there. So um, there's a lot of things, but you need to, you can create a survey online um, and you can send surveys out to lost customers. You can, you just need to let them know you care. Look, you're not around and I miss you. I care about you and I'm really here to provide you convenience. So if I'm missing that point, can you please help me fix that? Because I want you back. And 
that seems like a difficult conversation, but they love it. David, happened to you? Have you reached out? Uh, I have a two-part question. Have you reached out, talked to the customer, found out why? And then once you got that information, did you sit down with your team and say, we need to learn something from this? For me at my shop, we're constantly looking to improve and provide value to our customers. But as Shari said, it's a convenience thing sometimes, but you have to know what that is. So we introduced loaners a while ago um, because I'm not open on the weekends and we were getting a lot of, hey, are you open on Saturday? That's the only day I can come in. So I'm losing customers to the dealer, to the quick loop place. They want to come to me, but I'm not, I'm not open when they need me. So either I need to be open on Saturdays or I need to find out what they need from me so I can keep them as a customer. That turned out to be loaners, but we've used Uber. But the important thing is understanding what your customers' needs are and making sure that you're providing that so it doesn't turn into a situation where you're losing them to somebody else. They're seeing an attractive offer and they're walking away from you despite the great service, despite the rapport building, everything that you did on that front end to say, I'm going to have a great relationship with this customer. You throw it out the window if you're not there for them when they need you. And so you've got to make sure that you understand what your customer needs are. Uh, and for us, again, it was it was loaners. We as soon as we introduced loaners, we were able to start bringing in more customers to just drop the vehicle off, and they can take off on the loaner. How many loaners? I have two right now. I'll have four by the end of the year. Big move for you then. It, it was a game changer for us. Sure, yeah, absolutely. But maybe it isn't loaners for your shop. Maybe it's something else. Some other. Maybe you need to be open another hour or open early or whatever it happens to be. But as Shari's saying. You've got to talk to your customers. Maybe it is a survey monkey and sending out an email to your customers. Hey, we want to get better at what we do. Let us know what we need to do to provide better service. Because it may not just be sending newsletters out and text messages and you know emails and whatever. It may not just be that. It may just be, hey, I need to make sure I'm providing all of the the for services that you need to make it this as convenient as possible. So gang, how do we sit down with our team and say, look at, we've done the survey. We're absolutely confident. We've not generated repeat business, uh, call it lost customers. They're, they're over here. They're being romanced by someone. And, and obviously because they're, they didn't get exceptional service. How do we set out on a track today that says, you know, again, you know, go, let's go back to ideal customer in mind. And that ideal customer should never leave us. How do you implement that kind of culture inside the business? Something that we've kind of hit on to in here. And I, I'm, I know I'm a real believer in value. And we work on their second largest vehicle. And 74% of the buying market wants value. So they're going to spend more money for higher service. They're not looking for the deal. The guys that are looking for the coupons and the deals that attract our customers away is literally 24% of the market. So do you want to go for 24% that's going to make you give them a 70% discount? Or do you want to go for 76% of the market that's willing to spend money with you? And I believe if you supply that value to them, that they're not going to leave. So when you sit them down and say, look, I, I, I got to let you know that um, I have good news for you. My guys are really good at finding problems but I have some bad news for you. My guys are really good at finding problems. So if you haven't been to us before, we want you to know we're doing a state of health check. We're going to look at your car. We know we need to see you three times a year. We're going to pre-book your appointments for you so you don't have to remember. We're going to remind you to come in because when you maintain your car, for every $1,000 you spend on maintenance, you're going to save $3,000 in repair down the road because your car reaches its greatest value at 11 to 17 years. Did you know that? So it's having those kind of conversations when they come in so they understand 
I think the wealth of what your service is that you provide to them. I just don't want you here when you're broken. You don't want to go to the doctor when you have cancer. You want to go before you have cancer. And so in a conversational tone, sharing these little snippets of education with them differentiates you. And then you'll never lose them if you do that. And then you follow up on those actions. You call them, hey, Georgia, I didn't see you. Was that, did that, did that appointment not work out? You know, cause you've called them to remind them to get them in. So I think we need to think more proactive. And I believe in my experience, what I've seen is that we get too overwhelmed with the day to day and it's hard to pay attention to the details, but the devil's in the details and that's how you win them and keep them. And providing yeah. that kind of information that, that's awesome information. And by the way, I'm going to steal a whole bunch of what you said, but <laughs> that, that information is awesome. But you only have a few minutes. They drop off their vehicle in the morning. That's a lot to tell a customer. You're going to overwhelm them with information. But what, what Ron was talking about, I think, is, is exactly it. It's a combination. It's getting in front of that customer with that information on a regular basis. It's sending out a newsletter. Hey, just letting you know, your car hits the, uh, its maximum value 11, 17 years after. You know, that kind of information, to you're just dripping that. It's, it's nurture relationship. You're nurturing that relationship by just adding a little bit of value to their daily lives. And eventually, they're going to see you as the expert. They're going to see you as a resource. They're going to see you as an advocate for them to make sure that you that their vehicle lasts as long as it should. But it's, a, it's in getting in front of them with that information in whatever format, newsletters, postcards, emails, sure. text messages, not with offers, not coupons. We're talking about providing resource, resources and information for them. Yeah, Carm, you, you had mentioned, you know, something about, you know, having the conversation with the team. So I'm going to focus yeah. you know, my answer on on the team. I think it really is a team effort. OK, as I mentioned before, the the you know, the, the biggest myth is you fix the car right and that's good enough. Well, everybody in your organization needs to know that down to to your porter. Everybody needs to know that they need to understand that we've moved from a service economy to an experience economy. You know, they focus on what you do and what else you do. It, you know, if I took my car into a shop and uh, I, I needed a water pump and it got done and I paid money for it, the, the shop owner, the technician, the porter, everybody think, hey, we did a great job. And me as a consumer, I look at it and say, you did what I paid you for. This is what I paid you for. I didn't, I didn't, you know, you don't have to tell me how you busted your knuckles. You don't have to do anything. As a mentor of mine, Dan Kennedy always said, don't tell me about the labor pains. Just show me the baby. Okay. All I want to know is, did you fix the car right? And look, I, if it was a difficult job, chances are I paid a premium price to get that done. So your team needs to understand that they're, that they're always on stage when they're at work. Okay. So what do I mean by that? That's a, that's a Disney term. There's the on stage and off stage. When a Disney uh, employee is in view of a customer, they're on stage. Okay. So they're, uh, they need to be acting within the Disney way. When they're off stage, they can go have their smoke. They can have their conversation. They can be text messaging. They can do, they can be dirty and, and do whatever they want because nobody's seeing them. But if they're within earshot, smell shot, <laughs> eye shot, they have to be acting in a professional manner because people are going to notice those things. And just like anything, and we all have, have gone through this, when something goes wrong, no matter how small it is, you look for what else is wrong. 
when things are going right, you look for what else is right. So when you're impressed, you know, your mind goes to, you know, that reticular activating system in your brain that looks for, you know, what your mind's thinking about, you see everywhere. So you see uh, a well-run shop uh, that smells pleasant, that's clean, that, you know, the F-bombs aren't being shouted from the back. You look for what else is right. But when the, the minute something goes wrong, all of a sudden you start, the, the mind starts looking at, oh, oh, and this is wrong too. And oh, you know what? There's a grease stain over there. And I'm going to check my vehicle out from top to bottom and make sure they didn't screw anything up because I see their shot. You see what I mean? So it's really a team effort because people care about what you do, not what else you do. And it's that experience that they get that they're going to remember. You fix the car right. Great. But as I said in the very beginning, everybody else will do that same thing. We need to look at the other thing that experience they have because it's a totally different thing. When you look at it, when somebody leaves a review for you uh, on Google or Facebook, what are they talking about? Well, they're talking about not they, they fixed my car, right? No, they're talking about the experience they had mm-hmm. in your shop. So that's the thing that's going to get people locked into you. As David uh, talked about, you know, the constant in front of them, not with an offer, 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 buy, 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 buy. It's got to be, you know, maybe sending them a video that, uh, you know, with some information. Uh, like I said, the newsletter, the newsletter is not about auto repair. I didn't you know, mention that before. It's about life. It's about their kids. It's about recipes. It's something staying in contact with them to let them know that you care. That sets you aside from everybody else. You know, the bar is set extremely low in this, in this industry. And if you ask people, they always have bad experience to tell you about with their shop. When somebody has a good experience, they tell the world. So Ron, I just, if I could dovetail off of that for you, because I happen to be blessed enough. I love the Disney um, uh, motto. I was went out there for their employee engagement. That's right. I saw that in your bio. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. But I I just want to answer because you were talking about being on stage and I do see someone talking about disagreeing about being on stage. And so I wanted to find that because I think sometimes perceptions of the words we use may be different. And so on stage can sometimes just like the word power can be negative or positive, right? So on stage can probably be negative or positive. But I believe what we're talking about is in if not, if, you know, we all have different perspectives, but is a culture. You need to have a culture of caring for your clients, of professionalism. And that needs to be in the back of the house, in the front of the house, in the bathroom, from the time you get there to the time you leave. Because if you're looking for when a customer is around um, and that's the only time you're on stage, that's not really genuine or authentic. And this customer is going to know that. And so I think it's more about leveling up your your connections. David, I think you mentioned it, is you talked about connection and connection is exactly what the customer wants. Um, And they want that exceptional service. They want that experience. And so if you have a culture with your team and like Carm, you said, what do you do when you find out, hey, um, we haven't been making our thank you calls and the customers were losing them. And so we need to get back on that. So we talk about it as a team. And if we're all in the problem, then we're all in the, the solution for that as well. And so... It, it, does that let, I, yeah let me let me explain we're talking the same thing i'm not saying just when a customer is in there are positions in the shop and you're 100 percent right that's exactly what i was talking about yeah. not looking around to see if somebody's going to see me it's there's there's sections there's a there's a picture i took uh that you know i'd, I'd share the screen if i had the thing of a mcdonald's employee standing right by a no smoking sign right outside the main office with the mcdonald's hat on the uniform smoking a cigarette 
You know, that that's the perfect example of somebody that's on stage that's not portraying it. So you're hundred percent right. And, and forgive me for not being clear. They should always be on stage. There should be designated areas and it is the culture. You shouldn't worry about, is there a customer out there? And then somebody yells an F bomb because there's not a customer. That's right. just not acceptable. Eleanor Roosevelt said it best. It's not who you're who you are when people are watching, but it's who you are when nobody's paying attention. Exactly. I love where we're going. Thank you so much. We always go above and beyond whatever we truly expect to talk about. I know we spent some some great time on prevention, but David, let me let me ask you how can we, uh, people are tuning in because they know they've got a list of lost customers. How do we reactivate them? So I think it begins with understanding what they needed. And as Shari said, reaching out is, is an option. Just surveying your ideal customer and finding out, Ron calls it creating an avatar, right? Creating your ideal customer, understanding what their needs and expectations are. And then at that point, just reaching out in some way, shape or form and getting in front of, in front of them on a consistent basis. You may not get them back. So you may have had a uh, you may have had a customer that you had a great experience with. They left. They, they spent a lot of money with you. Uh, you thought they were going to come back. You don't see them for a year. Well, they may have just forgotten about you, or they may gotten uh, they may have had uh, been pulled away by uh, some other offer or some other perceived value they thought somebody else was going to provide for them. At that point, there it, it's a matter of be, getting into a system and consistently creating a plan to consistently get in front of that customer and just reminding them. So there's three things the customer needs. They need to know that you share an interest with them. Uh, Dan Kennedy talks about this, Ron. Um, so I'm sure you're familiar with this. So uh, there's three things that every customer needs. They need to know that you sh- there's a shared interest. And that's a matter of the shop owner uh, just getting themselves out there. That, you know, when you build rapport with a customer, you're sharing some kind of interest with them. Hey, I, I see you have a dog. I have a dog too. Or hey, you like the sports team. I like the sports team too. You're building rapport. So that they're going to see that you share an interest. On top of that, you have to share some space. That's how you build relationships. It's not just sharing an interest. You have to share that space too. And so you have to send out mailers or mugs or grocery bags that have the grocery the name of the grocery store on them. There's a reason why they sell those that say whatever the grocery store is in front of them because they want to make sure they're sharing space with you. Uh, and then the last thing is shared concern. They have to make sure that you, they need to know that you share that concern. And of course you do. You want to make sure that you're uh, relaying that you want to make sure their vehicle is, is uh, going to last as long as it should. So if you have those three things, you'll never lose a customer. And what falls through the cracks a hundred percent of the time, I'm telling you, is that shared space. They have the first thing. They build rapport. They have that last thing, that shared concern. But they don't share that space on a consistent basis. And that's what's gonna that's what it takes to reactivate. You have to make sure you're sharing that space. Shari, you have five steps to winning back your customers. Would you share them with us? I would. And some of them are easy, but some of them are hard. <laughs> so one is extending the olive branch. Um, if there's something that's gone wrong, which is typically why you lose the customers, um, research, I looked it up, they found that it's, we lose customers for two main reasons. They're treated badly or they're not satisfied, which goes into the, um, that the, they just don't feel like they were addressed, right? You guys were talking about it earlier. So different words, same thing. And so you have to be willing to face your mistakes, and admit that you have them. And I, I think that can be difficult sometimes. Um, the second thing is call them, call them, 
be personal with them. You guys were talking about it. David and Ron both talk about it. Perceived indifference. Thank you, David. He types that in. So we're not just talking here. We're like typing to each other here. No, <laughs> that's good. Thank you. <laughs> um, I love it when we all work together. That's how we race this industry, right? Thank you, Carm. You're doing that. But so you call them. Have a conversation. Be willing to be vulnerable. Say, you know, that's not how we do business. That's not what we intended. And I'd really like to fix that for you. You might create a, we fixed a campaign. Look, um, you know, we, um, hey, I, I know that when you guys came in, we haven't had a lot of time, but we have fixed that. Um, you know, have we, we never hear the bad things an employee does until they're not there anymore. And then it's like, they come out of the, oh, I'm so glad you got rid of him. He was, and it was like, why didn't you tell me that beforehand, right? And so um, give them an incentive to come back. Look, I take responsibility. Those are great words. Look, my staff and I take responsibility for not delivering the service we had intended with you. And so I'd really like to get you back and I'd like to give you an incentive. I'm going to give you $50 off the first time you walk in the store because I want you to know that I'm willing to give up something to get you back. Um, and then get personal. They want a connection. Look, I remember when you came in here, you know, we really connected and take the time. Now, you know, we've talked about this. There's different personalities. Like David mentioned, some guys don't want to hear everything when they first come in. That's the high D. I am that. So I get it. I'm going to give you my keys and tell you to fix it and text me and let me know what's going on. Right. But you have an I that wants a connection. You have an S that wants to feel that support. And you have a C. That's the one that will sit there for 35 minutes with you and want all that data. So it's really important, right, to identify who's sitting in front of you. And you can do that in five minutes if you have the right tools. So those are my five steps. Thank you so much. Nice and concise. I like that. I keep hearing uh, something very interesting about the lost customer, and that would have been possibly the job not getting done right the first time. And so let me put the challenge out about quality controls. Could that go a long way into solving this problem? Most people, if they have a problem, will never tell anybody. You know, they, it, it goes in silence. And now if the car's not fixed properly, of course, they're going to come back. But if there was any problems, I believe most people, they're, they're not going to be ruffling feathers. They're just not going to come back. You know, so I think the follow-up call is, is an amazing tool because that's the way you can take the temperature of somebody that is, has just left, left the shop. Are you satisfied? You know, that personal connection is, as Shari talked about, you cannot overlook that. And most people try to automate, 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 you know, let a robot do it, you know, pre-plan that thing. Look, we don't deal with robots. We deal with people, you know, and, and you got to have that personal connection. And if it's not you, I, I agree, have somebody else do it, you know, have somebody, a nice cheery person that, uh, and you can even hire that out if that's what you need, you know, to, but it's got to get done. But then the next thing is, you know, the other way to take their temperature is to ask for a review, you know, and, and if they're willing to review you, that tends to be somebody that's going to be, you know, if they're receptive to a review, chances are they're happier. Okay. It's not, it's not the, there's no way that that's a cut in stone and that's the, the, the right way to do it. But if somebody says, yeah, absolutely, I'll be happy to leave your review. That is a really good uh, cue that they're happy as they're walking out the door, but we don't know. I mean, there's lots of little things. There's a lot of moving parts and it could be, you know, just the smallest thing that's going to get them to make a decision to go somewhere else the next time, or they're going to remember that, uh, the, the, the thing that's going to keep them away from your shop. It doesn't take a whole lot. There's plenty of shops out there and look, you got to remember 
auto repair to the general public is perceived as a commodity. It really is. I got a broke car. I got a fixed car. I got a maintained car. That's what it is, like it or not. But that is the reality of it. Our job is to make it not a commodity, make it a very special yes. thing and fun thing to do and, and make it an event, not a, uh, not a dentist visit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Celebrate the wins, right? I, I, Ron, you just, I mean, this is conversational. So I think of when you said that to me about the asking for the review, I was like, oh my God, celebrate the wins. Stop and take a moment and say, thank you for that and send them a thank you or you know, just like with kids, they tell you, so one, po you have to have three positives to one negative. It's really important in a relationship that you do in any relationship, right? So look for those positives, create those positives because those will pay it forward for you a hundred percent. Yeah. Nice. And to keep from losing that customer to, to what Ron said, you have to have that culture in your shop asking for those complaints. That, yeah. That's how you have to set it up. You have to make yeah. sure you're reaching out to your customer. It's not leave sleeping dogs lie. That is a terrible idea. You should be calling customers up and asking for complaints. Complaints allow you to fix the business. If you don't get any complaints, you may be thinking you're doing everything right. You're not. Uh, again, 64% of customers will never say anything to you. They will just leave due to perceived indifference or actual indifference. And I think it's like 18% will leave due to unsatisfied, um, uh, an unsatisfied situation where they got into it with you and they, you weren't able to fix it. So if you can, you can fix that by simply asking for, like Ron's saying, ask for reviews, uh, you know, set it, set it up so you, they can anonymously leave uh, you know, feedback, uh, do it however, but make sure it's personal and it's consistent. Uh, and that can be uh, a difference maker to losing that customer versus keeping them. I love where this is going. Exciting stuff. I love to learn and, and take my own notes. I have a few here and, you know, I, I just bubble with ideas and I don't know why. I think that's how I'm built. So you've excited me to to write down a few things and that would be this campaign inside the shop called Customers Forever. I'm just I'm just dropping it as a part of the culture, as a part of the the think that needs to go on when you find your ideal and avatar customer. And then another thing I said was loyal is loaded. And <laughs> just another thing to think about, if you will, a loyal customer. Well, how do we create loyal customers? And then the other thing that kind of the umbrella is never a lost customer. And and, and you have all hit on the idea of this exceptional experience. And if we ever have a poor experience ourselves, do we tell people? Yes, we do. If we have average, an average experience in a service facility or anywhere, we never tell anybody. It's just, okay. But if we have exceptional service, we tell people. We're advocates. And We're advocates. We, yes, ambassador. So we need to create ambassador customers. And maybe those are the swing thoughts that 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 sit inside of our service advisor's mind, our service managers, our shop managers, and, and our techs, and that gets inserted inside the corporate culture. Our customers can almost do our work for us on that thought process, Carmen. That's pretty cool because a friend of mine in the industry, Bogie um, Latiner, who owns 180 Degrees, right? And she does a lot. When her and I were working together, she brought this up in one of her presentations, and I stole it. Um, not that we steal anything, right? We share it. But 
a, what a customer's worth is a one-time visit. And then the average, if it's $335 in our industry, which I want to congratulate shops that are at 700 and a thousand, I know they're there, but the average in the industry is $335. It's worth that, let's say 500. But when they turn into a client, they might tell three people about your service. So now that goes up to be worth, like if they come in 1.3 times, right? What is that worth? And so then if they, if, but when they're an advocate, it's worth like 25 times that because now everybody's talking about it. You've got traction. And did you know if you go in there, you can you get this license plate and then you don't have to wait for your smog or whatever special thing you do to be exceptional. Now you have an advocate. And so that's what we want to do. We want to be unique and authentic, Ron, for our avatars, right? People that are looking for value are willing to pay. They actually are smart enough to know if I'm not paying a lot, they probably don't have very good technicians. So, but it's being willing to fire those customers that don't fit that model and bring the ones in that do fit our model. And they want to keep their car around. Look, dealerships, the reason cars are financed for seven years now is so they can let them break down and then sell them a new one a year before, right? They send you those things in the mail. They're like, I'll give you this much for your piece of trash now that we've given you warranty service on, but we haven't done what we should do because we really want it to break down for you, right? And so if we just let our customers know without bad-mouthing, right? We just say, look, did you know that your car reaches its best value between 11 and 17 years? And if you maintain it before that, you have minimal expenses when you take care of it, just like your body. Right. So I, I really think that's what it's about for us. But Carm, your points are amazing. I love that. I, that's a great summary of what we're talking about today. Yeah. They, just a, a little bit more clarity, because I know some people like chomping at the bit because that 21 years ago, uh, one of the very first presentations I did was exactly what you're talking about. And by the way, Bogey was one of my clients. So she got that from me, what you just talked about. But I'm not trying to steal it. We don't but, steal it. But, we share but, it. Just saying. Uh, no, no, it's not. No, it's, but, but to, to, to take it further, because it, it's a very good point. And, and I totally zoned on, on what you're talking about. So let me just solidify that a little bit more because it's important. So you have a, a everybody, they, they build their business on a one-time visit and that's it. Mm -hmm. So that's a customer. So, and they get the customer. Now they're off chasing after the next one when their best chance of a, of a, of their next visit is right there in front of them. So that's the one-time customer. We're looking for clients, people that are going to develop a relationship with us that are, that we're going to know something about. They want to know, like us, you know, want to tell everybody about us. And then you get to the point where uh, a certain percentage of them are going to become your advocates. And if you can get an advocate, a client, and we don't have time to go into it, but a client is worth to you over a five-year period, $22,500. Now, if you think about it that way, and I'll be happy to work the math out on something else. Maybe I'll do a rant on that. Um, but it's 22500 is, is what a client is worth to. An advocate can be worth over a hundred thousand because he's spitting out a lot of more, a lot more clients for you because they're standing on that soapbox and shouting to the world that this is the place to go. And, and, and that's all because you're doing the job the right way and getting them to come back again and again and again. But you will always lose a percentage of your database because people die. And they move away. So, yeah, shocking. I know it happens every once in a while that that that, that somebody dies. But you know, so you're always going to have that little bit of churn. Well, a, a well-run business, if you pay attention to the things that we're talking about here, a well-run business doesn't necessarily have to go get another customer because their customers are constantly being replenished, replaced. The bottom feeders that come in that, that you can't nurture into a good client. And just because they're bottom feeder the first time doesn't mean that that's always them. You know, just I want to point that out. But 
you know, they're replenished by the referrals, by the things that people are talking about. And now since people leave reviews and people spend a lot more time reading reviews, I believe, and I look at a, a good solid review, a four or five star review as a referral because people will pay attention to what other people are saying about you. So I say that is an actual referral. That's the, the new version of a referral right now. You got the word of mouth, but that, that valued four and five star review of how you made them feel to go back to what we're talking about is also your next referral. So let the, you know, the people, they, they, they die obviously and they move away and the bottom 20% of your clientele that just you know, aren't producing or, or like to hop, uh, hop from shop to shop to shop. That's fine. You replenish them by good reviews and good word of mouth. Thank you so much, Ron, for that. Good stuff. A couple of points, and then we're going to go around the room and, and summarize this. This was great. Thank you all so much. Uh, I remember a quote from Pablo Picasso, and I'm not going to get this perfectly right, but he said that good artists never steal ideas, but great artists always steal ideas. <laughs> And um, and Jack Welsh, remember, uh, chairman of former chairman of GE, says uh, th- there are no new good ideas. So steal shamelessly from other people and make them your own. And and I think that's something that needs to be more embraced inside of our industry. Uh, and that's why the people that are involved in associations and network uh, listen to the podcast because that's what we do. Four hundred plus episodes, insights, ideas, and all these. Um, great things that could spark, you know, your next big move are there. So don't be afraid to take something that we've talked about here and own it. Make it your own. Hey, um, thank you so much. Uh, ladies first, uh, Shari, let me give you a, a summary opportunity here. So for me, I think the summary is be honest with yourself. Uh, mistakes are the path to success. And if we don't pay attention to those things, then they will be our ultimate failure or they will be our downfall because if you don't face them, if you don't address them, somebody else is going to bring them out for you. And people want to know that you care. Um, you need to be exceptional um, in your not only your service, but your follow-up with them. And we've talked about these customers. The best customer you have is the customer in front of you. That's because not just do they have 2.3 cars, but they have a neighbor on each side of them. They have family. They have friends that they were, that they have. They have a place that they work and they probably have associations they belong to too. So word of mouth travels really fast. And then when, like Ron mentioned, they see you on a golf bench or on a rodeo grounds or in a, a publication or however your newsletter you send to them and those things on Facebook. People love that. Um, and play on Facebook. That's a place to do that. So there's certain things that you can do to bring the customers back. But I just want to encourage everyone that failure, because, you know, the technician brain um, is if I don't get it right the first time, it's the part's fault. No, I'm just kidding. It's, you know, you don't want, you don't want that fault. If you're wrong, you're bad. And if you're wrong, you're not bad. You're really just human. So be vulnerable. Vulnerable leadership is the best way to connect with people. So be real, be raw, be honest. And they, I've never seen an industry of men and women that care so much about serving others. And we, we really do. And so just be genuine in that. We work on their second largest investment and um, raise, raise it. Let's raise the bar. When we raise the bar for everybody, we all do better. Good. Thank you so much. Uh, this week, uh, the episode with Paul Danner, uh, known as Scanner Danner on, on YouTube, he said that all of our wisdom exists in the good parts drawer. Or let that sink in for <laughs> That's a bit. deep. Isn't that deep? Yeah. <laughs> I got to write that down. Yeah, because you had just said it. You know, I would never put a you know, part on that wasn't, wasn't bad. 
Uh, anyway, David, thanks for being here, man. Uh, give us your take on today's discussion. To keep from losing the customer, you have to build that culture inside your business. From day one, you hire somebody, they have to understand your philosophy. It has, should be on your website. It's on my website. I won't to build long-term relationships with my customers. It isn't a one and done for me. It wasn't a one and done for me from day one when I first opened. Uh, I wanted to make sure that uh, I was providing enough value to my customers and that they understood I was looking out for their best interests. So that has to be part of the culture. But you have to remember, it isn't just shared concern. You have to make sure you're sharing that space with them. You have to make sure you're staying in front of them on a consistent basis. And then lastly, make sure that you're building that rapport and you're making that connection. Because as Shari's saying, it is about being authentic and personal and getting in front of them and making sure you're building that connection and building that relationship for the future. Thanks so much. Hey, my good friend Kevin Eckler is on with us here in the Zoom chat, and he says, share, not steal, right? Right. Mm -hmm. I steal all the time. I steal everything. Everything I just said, I stole, by the way. There's ethical stealing, and that's exactly what that is. So it's perfect. No, it's it's not a bad thing. It's look, if it's if it's the right information, get it out there. However, whatever it takes, whatever label you stuck on it, doesn't really matter. They're both five letter words that start with the letter S. Just saying. Cool. Here's the Love having Kevin and and, uh, Lisa hanging out with us. Hey, Ron, I'll give you the last word. Well, based on what Shari said and and what Dave said, I want to go a little higher level here because, you know, we went into a lot of the tactics and a lot of the strategies and thin in kind of a mindset about never losing the customer in the first place. But I want to go just one step above that. And for the owners that are that are here, for the managers that are on, the service advisors, the technicians, the people that are watching this right now, um, this is up to you. This doesn't happen on its own. This isn't for the other guy, but the special message is for the owner. You have to take extreme ownership of this. This is all about you. It doesn't happen by itself. And you got to take that personal responsibility. So you have to build the right team. You have to, um, to, to make sure the job is getting done. And if it's not getting done, correct the course to make sure it does get done. But you got to own this entire thing. It's not a matter of, hoping it gets done because you as the owner, you owe it to the business, you owe it to your employees, you owe it to your employees' families to have a well-run business. And it, and that starts at the top and you've got to get the work done. What a great summary. Thank you very much. Um, and, and thanks, Ron. Ron Ipeck, uh, repair shop coach and actually otherwise known as Captain Car, Car Count. Count. Captain. Captain Car Count. <laughs> Shari Pheasant. I can't do that. <laughs> shop owner, shop owner in Reno with her husband Jeff and president of Horsepower Strategies. Nice to have you. Good to see you again, Shari. Nice to see you guys. And David Roman, done with auto care and repair. Uh, thank you so much for your support and uh, have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you very Happy much. Happy Friday. Have a great weekend. Go see kill ya. it next week. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.